Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we are finally talking about the very thing you've been begging for. That's right, sisters, imposter syndrome. Welcome to Krina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barrett. And I'm Krina Hoyer. We are so glad that you have joined us today to talk about this much anticipated topic of the imposter syndrome. You know so it. interesting. Yeah. That people have brought this up so much with each of us. No, I have, yeah. So it's the same. They brought it up with you. I have too. heard the same thing. And it's the trifecta, right? We talked about self sabotage. And then we talked about performance anxiety. So interesting. And now we're going to talk about the imposter syndrome because. We're trying to get some ease, meaning, and joy for women at work. And that's the way we do it. We talk about our hot mess. We ourselves talk about our a hot, hot mess, mess. And we figure out how to get ourselves <laughs> out of the hot mess. I do love that. Like self-sabotage, performance anxiety, and imposter syndrome. Like those combined. That really is a hot mess. And frankly, it describes mm-hmm. me. <laughs> that's just me. That's just the stuff I deal with all the time. There's a, big, there's a big part of this that is just the human condition. Yeah. So welcome to humanity. <laughs> And by the way, don't want to forget this. We're on the land of the Coast Salish people. Right. From our... From, with our hot mess. From their land to your ears. Yes. Yeah. With our hot mess. Aw. I know. But we do have to have some compassion for this hot mess. Yeah? This is what it's all about. Yeah. This is... Compassion number- and empathy. And normalizing it. That's why we like to mm-hmm. talk about this. Absolutely. So, friend, you and I have been doing a lot of talking to each other. <laughs> Oh, I thought we were going to run out of things to talk about. Turns out Kirsten and I have now proven that if given the opportunity, we can chat virtually nonstop. Virtually. Almost nonstop for every waking minute of several days in a row. Certainly. Like, it, you know, <laughs> Crane and I went on a, a ramble. A walk. A, a long walk. We walked from where I live about... 15 miles down the road, we stopped at the Shell Station for a lovely brunch (laughs) because we were carrying everything on our back. So we didn't want to bring a bunch of stuff. It was just like a change of clothes and some food and some uh, and a toothbrush and a bar and some water and some lots of water. And then we rambled down from the Shell Station to this beautiful town near us called Bo. Yep. Stayed in an Airbnb, woke up the next day, walked another 10 miles Back to the Airbnb. Next day, walked down another the road. ten miles. A down lot the of road. country roads. A lot of country roads. And why? Because we wanted to. Because it was a vacation, a car-free vacation. It's a car-free vacation to just slow down to. Mm-hmm. I think roughly two and a half miles an hour, yeah. including stops mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, a couple of pairs of underwear, change of clothes, and a toothbrush. Simplify our lives. Yeah, and talk. Really interesting. Yep. And there were. Long gaps of silence. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But there was also a lot of chatting. Yeah. And a lot of walking. And so it was so fun. And I, people have asked me, like, what was the inspiration for this? And I was like, I don't know. Just a slow vacation. It was Karina's idea, of course. Karina's ideas. People say, is this like a is this like a fundraiser? Are you raising money for something? Because, of course, when I do something, people are like, oh, you must be raising money, Kirsten. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's just for fun for no, me. No, it's because yeah. we wanted to go for a walk and talk and stay somewhere. And, uh, yeah, that was so fun. I and, and find some good whiskey, which we did find. Oh, hell yeah, we did. Of course, you know we found the whiskey. Yeah, you can still eat good food, drink good liquor, and stay in a nice place and get there on foot. And, mm-hmm. and it was, yeah. Thanks for doing that again. That was really me. fun. Thanks for the idea. It was 
great fun. Yeah, and as I stand here behind my microphone, I still have sore spots. I mean, it is no small task to put 15 miles under yeah, on the pavement mm -hmm. um, in a day, as you know, because you did it. Yes, my feet are still a little, like, creaky. Yeah, my legs are, and hips are still a little, like, they need, I'm stretching, like, I'm standing mm -hmm. here behind the microphone, stretching. So suffice it to say, we recommend it. We had, Go on a ramble, yeah, a walkabout. Yes, yeah. exactly. And uh, talk about all of the things that matter to you most. Talk about how you're a hot mess, because that is partially <laughs> why we never ran out of things to say, because we were talking about that. And this imposter syndrome um, episode is... Really interesting. Apparently, I, you know, I'll say it again. It's it is a syndrome or an experience that we share with a lot of you out there. We mm -hmm. share with a lot of you out there. In fact, um, we've foreshadowed that we we're going to talk about this on uh, the last couple of episodes. And I had a woman named Jody, a listener, pull me aside and say, I can't wait. I cannot wait for you to talk about this. This is me. She, in fact, told me, you know, she's in a very high powered job. She's highly successful, highly sought after. She's always done this work. She, I would say, is likely seen as an expert in her field. And she said, yeah. And I still have, I have I had my, my last boss tell me, you need to get over this, Jody. And as we will learn, this is not uncommon. Yeah, that is not uncommon. And I have to do a shout out right now. Kirsten did the heavy lifting on this episode. Oh, I don't know that that's fair, On the friend. planning, you did. You did all of the, all. you did the majority of the reading and the research, and you put together this great, all of the, your thoughts about this, which there, are brilliant. There is a reason, right? There is a reason I dug deep into imposter. So what did you learn? What, do you, what When I started talking to Barry about this this morning before um, recording, he had not heard of imposter syndrome. Oh, wow. No. So wow. I, th I, I think we should define it. Absolutely. So what is it? It's so interesting because I assume because I know and experience this mm -hmm. and I have friends and, you know, my sister and I have these shared experiences around this that everybody knows what it is. Mm -hmm. I always do this. But yeah, apparently Barry doesn't. So, so that, that's for just, his sake. So this is and it's called a syndrome. But let's just be clear. This is not some diagnosable like you know, mental health disorder. Yeah. This is just a name. Somebody has called it. Some people call it imposterism. So it really isn't a real syndrome. I know, and it's a weird thing to call it. But let's just do it because that's how folks know it. So it is. Do you want to rename it? You know, we always rename stuff. I don't understand why people don't come to us first and ask about Would naming Would you please things. name this? Uh, yeah. Okay, I think anyway. imposterism is better. Because it also implies that there are degrees. And that's what we're talking about here. There oh, are degrees. It yeah. isn't like you have this thing and now it becomes a syndrome. There are degrees of imposterism. Um, okay. The persistent inability to believe that one success is deserved. It's been legitimately achieved as the result of your own efforts. It's the internal experience of believing that you are not as competent as others believe that you are. That you're a fraud that your success is due to luck or happen chance, not truly yours. Yeah. As I said in the beginning, I mean, I really do think some of this is just the human condition. Yeah. And I think that people that don't experience this sometimes really do have a condition. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, because narcissism, yeah. some kind of really diagnosable thing, but because I'm not a person that diagnoses, I'm not going to diagnose. But I think that I think it's part of the human condition. The question is, you know, we all have these periods where we feel like we don't measure up or we're not good enough or we might be, quote unquote, found out. Um, 
And the data shows that this these numbers are really high, 70, yeah. 80%. There's a really interesting compilation study, you know, where the scientists go out and review the studies yeah. that NIH published about imposter syndrome. And yeah, 70 to 80% of people experience this at one time or another. Um, yeah. And I think what we're talking about today is when it gets in your way. Yeah. Yeah. When this part of human, I mean, things flit in and flit out. They don't interfere with us too much sometimes. But when it interferes, that's what we're talking about today. When yeah, was of course. Yeah, because every once in a while you're going to hit a home run and go, oh, my God, that was just luck. Mm-hmm. Right. But or that was my team or that's because these things really came together. Yeah. And I think sometimes even if it's easy for us, like something happens and it just happens to be easy. Yeah. Because. Sometimes stuff just is it's easy. easy. You just don't feel like you deserve it. Right. Mm-hmm. And and imposter syndrome is when there or imposterism is when that is more more and more regular when that gets in your way, when you truly do not believe that your success is your own, when you find yourself kind of doing certain behaviors which we will discuss and or feeling certain feelings that really you know that are um kind of universally I guess, described as like, you don't believe you're as competent as other Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. do. And let's tease that out a little bit. Let's tease out kind of what, you know, this feels like. What does it look like? Imposterism. So the inability to realistically assess your competence and skills. Right. Right? Yeah. So this is that thing. Can we tell ourselves the truth about ourselves? Right. This is about the self-awareness piece, right? When you attribute your success to external factors, yeah. oh, it was because I had a great team. It was because I was lucky. Yeah. It was because this just happened to fall into place. Yeah. Um, if you berate your performance, yeah. if you just dig in and you're like, oh, this was like you find all the things that go wrong and not the things that go right. right. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, you talked about this fear that you're not going to live up to expectations. Yeah. I'm going to let disappoint somebody. I'm yeah. going to let somebody down. So I'm going to manage those expectations mm-hmm. to be much lower mm-hmm. than they were. Mm-hmm. So hang on just a second. If you're really, if you are thinking, I, okay, inability to realistically assess your competence and skills. Mm-hmm. So that is like, that's interesting to me. Sometimes I, I've talked to you about this where I'll say, I don't think I can take that client. I don't have the, I don't know. I don't think I can do that job. Mm -hmm. I don't think I can do that work. And you have always said to me, Krina, what are you talking about? This look, I say to you, look at the data. Yeah. This is what you did here, 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 and here. Yeah. Why can't you take all that and go here? Yeah. And the idea is like you talk, like the point of this is you do that for yourself. Yeah. You don't, I mean, of course I'm your friend and I'm happy to do that for you and I want to do that for you. Yeah. But I also really want to encourage folks to do that for themselves. Go back and look at the data. Right. Your own data. So this manifests itself in really going, yeah. So if you're looking at a job or a task or something you have to tackle and you're like, oh, I don't really think I can, even though everyone else around you can, you may be suffering from imposter syndrome. When you're accepting an award and you're like, oh, thank you, but I honestly don't deserve to be here. It's Mm -hmm. my team. You may be experiencing imposter syndrome or like you said, berating your performance or, or fear that you won't live mm-hmm. up. Thanks. I yeah. have to, I have to understand these things deeply. I love this. I have to. I love this. I have to. Okay. So sorry. You were on, mm-hmm. you were on some kind of a jag. I, this is listener. This is the way it's going to go. She's going to say a bunch of stuff and I'm going to interrupt her and then restate it. And then she's going <laughs> to say some more stuff. <laughs> But it is interesting because, you know, like you read a definition and and it doesn't mean as much, I think, as when you just really try to 
Okay. I'm this to... is exactly the point, right? We're kind of teasing out what this really means. Okay. Yeah. So people who have this kind, who deal with imposterism also tend to overachieve mm. because you're making up for that feeling of inadequacy. Mm-hmm. This is certainly something I've done in my career. I'm just going to do more and do better so I can make sure everybody knows I'm competent, mm-hmm. right? Do you think, and again, is that conscious or unconscious? Yes. Both. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. There's times I'm very conscious about it, and there's times I'm aware that I'm like, there's like an energy that takes over me, <laughs> right? I'm like, what is that? Who is that? It's taking over. Um, sabotaging your own success. Oh, is another one because, again, you don't think you deserve it. Yeah. Right? Oh, we just talked about that one mm-hmm. last time. Exactly. Um, self-doubt uh-huh. is another, like, if imposters have big feelings of self-doubt. And this is another thing that's kind of like perfectionism, which is you set this big expectation for yourself that mm-hmm. is really unreasonable. And then when you don't achieve it or meet it, you, like, treat yourself like crap for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? It's like... I, I do this too. I set up this like plan that I'm going to get all these things done, do all these things. And then I don't. And then I berate myself for saying, why did I, why can't I get this done? Why isn't this? Well, because it's unreasonable, Kirsten. Right. It's unreasonable. So to me, I have this ah, nasty whatever that talks in my head yeah. about the fact that I am undeserving or I shouldn't be there. My sister and I talked about this a lot early in our career. She's a veterinarian. I'm a lawyer, as folks know. And we were pretty convinced. This was the most amazing thing when we talked about this. Both of us were like, what? You feel the same way? That somebody was going to come into our office and be like, "Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't know what you think you're doing, cutting that animal or meeting with those clients or filing that document in court, just waiting for someone to say, oh, this is what are you thinking? Come on, let's go. Get out. Yeah. Right. We both had that same feeling pretty early on in our careers. It lasted for a while. Now, it's gone now to that degree. (laughs) Not that she doesn't rear her nasty you know, Medusa head occasionally and oh, distract God. me. That that voice. Yeah. But all these things, you know, when you get in these places, it, you know, it makes you feel anxious. Yeah. You feel like you've got to be perfect. Your fear of failure, your, your self-doubting, all that stuff, which is, dis, dis, which is detracting us from doing our best work. Right. From, you know, having some ease. Right. right. This just makes things so stinking hard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. This just makes our work so hard and so if someone is experiencing imposterism they're they they are you know by definition in incapable of accurately assessing their own skills and talents and they're they're not willing to accept sort of their own greatness right those are those things are challenged those are challenged and the way it shows up Mm -hmm. the way it shows up in our daily lives and in our work is is by these behaviors Mm -hmm. that you just described Mm -hmm. these behaviors and i would also say these feelings okay Mm self-doubt not setting you know setting over Mm -hmm. setting overly ambitious goals feeling fear feeling anxious and also even berating your performance and i think this back it comes brings me back to degrees Right. Degrees of which this is goes Does from. Does it interfere with your life? Right. So I am self-deprecating. I love it. I actually think it's one of the funny. Like, I think it's hilarious 
being self-deprecating. I think it's funny. I, agree. I use it as comedic relief in and some cases. And it's also a way to be authentic. Right. And to to show people that you recognize your own weaknesses, which is healthy. Right. It's healthy, vulnerable, authentic expression. But the, the and and that is a degree to which it's not getting in my way, mm-hmm. although it might be. But it, if it tips over into constantly berating myself if it tips into like not being willing to take on a challenge because I'm totally afraid of failure or believing those stories that I'm repeating that I think are jokes. And I even think Karina that there's something in between which is I'm carrying around this weight I don't need to carry. Maybe it doesn't prevent me from taking a new opportunity but maybe while I am experiencing or living in the opportunity it's too much to carry. Yeah. So there are just these degrees and I'm just positing to 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 folks that if this is getting in your way that's when you need to work on it. Yeah. Right? I mean self-doubt flitting through your mind or anxiety flitting through your mind welcome to being human. Right. Right. Yeah. And I don't think it's like, oh, this this doesn't get in my way. I still do these things. I still try these new things. I still take on these challenges. But when I'm doing it, I'm carrying this weight. Mm-mm. That's the whole point of the show. Yeah. Ease, meaning and joy. Shake it. Yeah. And this is about, well, we're never going to shake it, but getting rid of as much as we can. Yeah. Because the result of all of this, the negative impact of it is mm, that not only are you... Yes not able to live your true self, find that ease, meaning, and joy, which we're shooting for, really people who suffer from imposterism in you know significant ways aren't able to internalize positive feedback. You don't the believe joy. the compliments. You don't feel the joy. Yeah, you don't feel the joy. You don't believe the, the kudos mm-hmm. are deserving. You cannot shine, your light cannot shine. And you're experiencing these, you know, on the converse of that, which is incredibly negative. And the thing, too, it's like it's not just the positive feedback from the world, but it's your own mm-hmm. positive feedback from yourself. Yeah. It's the ability to experience joy from yourself at recognizing that you've accomplished something. Yeah. External feedback, fantastic. Of course, we want you to experience that. Sure. But I think even more importantly, when you're living in this imposterism place, you cannot experience your own joy at your own success and your own accomplishments. Yeah. Which I think is the most important. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. You done then? Are we done? That's it? No, I mean, I think that's a beautiful point. I want to restate it. You know, I think my friend uh, Kurt jokes about this story. Um he tells the story all the time. I, I did something amazing for I probably even talked about it on the show before. I did something amazing for he and his wife. I actually found a home in our neighborhood for them to buy. And it, it was like I knew an, an, the neighbor had been renting for a while. I knew who she was. I called her and said, hey, any chance you want to sell your house? And next thing I know, you know, my friends are buying a house in, in a coveted neighborhood. And he'll, he'll tell that story. But what's so funny is when the deal went through, he came you know, over and he said, oh my God, Karina, you are so awesome. And my uh, response was, I know. <laughs> and that's what we want, right? That's yes. what you're saying. Like you yes. want to know that. Yes. If you are experiencing imposterism day after day, time after time, you don't get to it. You don't have that. I know. I know I'm awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, isn't that great? And this is just a little thread from the show on self-sabotage, right? Yes. And Shirzad, 
that's exactly what he wanted for us. Remember? Yes. You're awesome. And you're wonderful. Yes. And these things get in our way. Yeah. That little baby, mm-hmm. the story of the little baby, they know they are spectacular. They're awesome. Now, and obviously I also have imposter. I'm not saying I don't experience these other things, but that's kind of what we're shooting for. And how does this happen? I mean, I think there is a lot of information out there. There's been a woman who's been studying imposterism since the 50s or 70s. Some, 70s. Okay. 70s. Yeah. Pauline Rose Clance, she really, she's a psychologist. She noticed this in her practice with her clients and she decided to dig in and study it. It was in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And she was. I said her, 50s. Sorry about okay. that. It's okay. She with her colleague, Susanna, I think it's Emis. Um, studied graduate and undergraduate students, women, and found that it was very prevalent. They mm-hmm. designed a scale and a test. I'll put it in the show notes. Very interesting. Um, but that's where this first came about. It's with women. Mm-hmm. But as an aside, the data suggests that it's just as prevalent in men. Mm-hmm. And this is relatively new data, at least according to the NIH review of the studies, the imposter studies. But what's interesting about the effect in men, and I only spent like five minutes on this because this is a show for women, but I found this really interesting. In men, it is just as prevalent and the effects may be more intense or greater Ah. and have more impact on performance and interfere with like functional living. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I don't know why that is. I can posit a lot of reasons, but I just found it to be an interesting kind of side fact. Yeah. What I think I spent more time on about this, and this was discovered later after um, Clance and um, I think it's Eames, it's Eames and Eames' work, is that this is really prevalent in minority and underrepresented groups. Yeah. Which makes sense. But it's also weird. So, wait. I have to back up and just say, this is kind of cool that the people who started studying this were looking specifically at women. It came about because of women. Because of women. Mm -hmm. So, hell, that's cool. But men experience it more and the impacts are more profound. And minorities? It's just as prevalent. Oh, it's just as prevalent. Just as prevalent. But the effects of it have more impact in their life. Okay. And and then you were also then just saying, and also minorities or marginalized groups have more of... They have they have a imposter- higher a higher prevalence of, of imposterism. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, yep. you- and I think part of that is that, you know, one of... We talked about, you know, there are... We'll talk about why this happens a little bit more yeah. later. But... Um, if you are the first black person in your office or one of the first black physicians in your town or at this hospital or among the very few, sure, you know, that is a new experience. And as we'll find out a little bit later, new experiences tend to trigger imposterism. Yeah. So, but also, and also being in highly critical situations, right? In situations where you are being critiqued constantly and, and in jobs, those would be jobs like doctor, lawyer, a lot of jobs, athletes, artists, right? Yeah, where, where your work is constantly subject to critique. So it makes sense, too, that, like you said, about the, the minorities, people who are the first or mm-hmm. the few or who are, you know, frequently othered, then are also are in those situations mm-hmm. of 
Yes. Critique, yep. constantly being evaluated, mm-hmm. constantly being seen. Which is part of the burden of being a minority in, for example, an all-white workplace. Yeah. Right? Yes. Is that you carry these kinds of things that have greater weight for you. Yeah. 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 But what are the other reasons? I mean, I think we are kind of there. Why? What? Why do yeah, we Why do why, we experience yeah. imposter syndrome? Okay. So I read quite a bit about this. And here are my takeaways. Yeah. I think it is partly about your upbringing. Mm-hmm. Like if you live in a family that is, you know, abusive in any way, mm-hmm. diminishing of you, that really values achievement, like your worth are is your worth is your achievement, whatever you've achieved, controlling, mm-hmm. high levels of conflict. Yeah. Those home environments tend to produce kiddos and then adults that experience imposterism. In fact, one of the TED Talks that I watched on this that you sent me. Lou Solomon. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's saying she, she herself grew up in a military family where weakness and vulnerability were seen as like dirty. She yes. even said that dirty laundry, like mm-hmm. being the human side of human is is not acceptable. They were a liability. Uh-huh. So that, you know, highly perfect perfectionist and critical and with an alcoholic father. So that's unpredictable and, uh, you know, psychologically abusive. And, and, and conflict, a lot yeah, of conflict. Yeah, and a lot of conflict. So that was mm-hmm. her experience. Yeah. And she said, so that is certainly one, but not everybody. No, yes. Which who I just has love. imposter syndrome. Not everything is about can, our family of origin. I yeah. just love that. Yeah. That it's not all about that. It can be. It can be. Lots of times. Um as I said before, a new experience or a challenge. Can when we all do something, when we do something new, there is this initial like, oh, can I do it? Can I step up? And I think that that is really a normal response. Right. I, I think this is normal for, for all of us. Right. Okay. But when it gets in the way, so right. for me, like I spent a lot of years sitting on the sidelines because I just didn't want to fail. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to try and be the, the worst and or get found out that I wasn't cool or that I wasn't athletic or that I wasn't smart or that I wasn't coordinated. So I just chose not to do it. So that's where this new experiences or challenges, you know, my imposter syndrome as a young adult got in my way of experiencing these new things. That's where it's tipped over. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. When you get, when it gets in the way. Right. Yeah. So some people, right. Some people just have more tendency because of how they're, how they're made, how they're wired to fall into this imposterism. People who are anxious, people who have depression, Mm -hmm. people who lack confidence, right? So Mm -hmm. those kinds of things just make you more vulnerable to imposterism, yeah, right? And then obviously perfectionism. People who are perfectionists, we have a whole episode on that business. Oh, I know. Right, so those, these are the things, the kinds of things that make you more vulnerable to imposterism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you... I know you had talked about you and Kim doing right, sort being, of early in your careers. Right, and waiting and for someone to tell us to yeah, get out. Joking about being caught. I don't think we're joking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. It was serious. We're like, we're pretty sure someone's going to come through that door. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, oh I no, this is joking. No, no, no. Not a joke. For real. Can you remember any other times in your life where this was just like significant for you? Oh, absolutely. I'm experiencing it right now. Really? Oh, yes. Oh, in what? The writing group. Oh, yes. I'm in the writing group. And I'm. You've even. Yes, sorry. Yes, yes. I'm with all of these women, these three women who are very accomplished and very smart and very capable. And I'm new. Mm -hmm. And I 
all of the things are there, right? I'm in a writing group. I'm being evaluated and critiqued by others, right? It's a new experience. It's a new challenge for me, yeah. right? I'm I'm a lawyer. I'm trained to always do it right the first time, mm-hmm. right? Nobody wants a lawyer who makes a bunch of mistakes, <laughs> really. Nobody wants you. No, thank you. Right, no, thank you. Nobody pays, as I always say, nobody pays me to make a mistake. No. Right, so all of those things, of my vulnerabilities, show up in this writing group. Oh, yeah, constantly. And I just, so here's where we get to. What do you do about it? I know, it? but I'm gonna say I'm not gonna move let you move away. I'm not I was gonna talk about easy. it in the context of I what will, you do about it. I just wanna say the things that I've heard you say about this group is like they're so much smarter than me, or I don't Absolutely. belong there, or I don't know how what am I, I got doing there, here? what am I doing there? That is interesting. <laughs> it, and that is that is imposterism. And is it getting in my way? A little bit. It is. It's getting in my way a little bit. So I'm doing some work around it. Uh-huh. And maybe that's why I just gravitated. I know people have talked about the imposterism piece of our trifecta, you know, our performance anxiety, sabotage, (laughs) imposterism. And maybe that's why I just gravitated to it and just really dug in because I'm having my own experience with it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? And the stories that you tell yourself Mm -hmm. about you in that situation Mm -hmm. and what is possible and what you deserve and what others are feeling, which leads me to one other thing I have to say before you move on to kind of how to deal with this. There is this whole deal that like so many people feel this way, but we all think we're the only ones. I wonder how many women in that writing group also feel that way, feel some sort of. I do not think they feel that way. Okay, bad example. Bad example. You're talking about pluralistic ignorance. Yes, pluralistic ignorance. Pluralistic ignorance. Which I is, love that. Isn't that a great word? That's like a ten dollar word. I no, think that's what a, we call it. I'm gonna. Is that the wordle? Oh, it's sorry. a fantastic word. Too many words. Too many letters. Um, it's when we doubt ourselves individually. Yeah, and we think we're the only one doing that. Yeah, but really everybody is experiencing it. That is it, and that is what is that impossible. Mm-hmm. Data suggests that everyone, eighty percent of people, are feeling the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we all think it's just us, and we're just, just going to clam up and just sit over here in our little pile of bad feelings and pretend that mm-hmm. you know we're the only ones. Anyway, yep. I'm fascinated by this. So, what to do about yeah, it? Yeah, what are you doing about your? Okay, so first of all, what if we took the position that the imposter syndrome, imposterism is really a growth opportunity. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So there was a really great TED Talk by this guy, Peter Shepard, who uses his growth to six feet, seven inches tall or some crazy height to talk about imposterism, that sometimes it's just us growing into ourselves. Okay. Right? So, of course, you know. I love that. Mm-hmm. What's our mindset around this? Yeah. So what's Kirsten's mindset around this writing group? It is, wow, KB, this is a growth opportunity for you. Yeah. You have the chance to learn something new, to be challenged, yep. whatever, right? So I think that's the first thing is when you feel these feelings of self-doubt or I don't belong here or someone's going to find me out. It's like a little warning symbol to you, a little warning sign to you that says, oh, this might be a growth opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to change my mindset about this. Yeah. I'm going to stop. So you want, okay. <laughs> Which is funny. I have a friend who used to always say, and now I, people think I, they quote me and say this, this is a great opportunity. This is a great growth. This is a great learning opportunity for you, isn't it? 
this is a great teacher for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that you, you've said it's good information, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like mm-hmm. really stopping, putting, not putting the value, negative value on those emotions or the experience, but seeing them, recognizing them, and then seeing them as a chance to grow. To grow. So Peter Shepard uses his growth as this metaphor for coming to terms with getting comfortable with something. And he says, yeah, he says, I grew really fast. I was awkward. I thought I was weird. I looked for people who were tall like me and they were all fantastic athletes, which wasn't me. And so he developed what he calls the two-step. It's really cute. The two-step, which is to figure out what your imposter is saying to you. Yeah. You're clumsy. You can't do it. You're awkward, which was what he was saying to himself with this, you know, amazing height growth that he experienced. Yeah. And he says, and the second step is, what am I going to say back to my imposter? Mm. And interestingly enough, this theme of of really self-talk yeah. was throughout all of the what do you do about it? I mean, obviously, if it's really impactful... You want to get some help. Yeah. Get some, get it, talk to a therapist, get some help. Um, talk to friends. Obviously, it's a great thing, like you and I Which do. Which also was a so, so, tossed around as something you, yeah, as a solution. Talk, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, sure. Talk, get out of your plural, pluralistic, um, get out of what is the, Indiv- what, in, pl- I'm sorry, get out of your pluralistic ignorance. Yes. Because yeah. everybody experiences this. But we talked about Lou, Ra- Lou Solomon's TED Talk as well, and she says the exact same thing. She talks about, she has named her imposter. She calls it Mrs. Vader, Miss Vader. And she's also identified the person that talks back to the imposter as her radical hero, which yeah. I, you and I are renaming as her radical heroine. heroine. <laughs> but there is this talk that happens, which for me, I express it a little differently, which is looking at the data. Sure. So when I tell myself, hey, I shouldn't be in this writing group, I sit back and I look at the data and I say, I've done a lot of writing in my life. Mm-hmm. I can, I have a lot of experience in writing. It's not this. I'm stretching and learning and doing something new. And I am going to fail. Mm-hmm. But that's the point. Yeah. Because I can't learn something if I'm not willing to fail. And you are teachable. So you look back at the data mm-hmm. and you tell yourself information about I have that. skills to build on. Yeah. Right. I have learned things in the past. I can learn new things. Mm-hmm. I can tolerate failure. Mm-hmm. Right. I yeah. can tolerate not. I can tolerate failure. Yeah. Easy as that. I yeah. can tolerate failure. And what I've also done is because I am a reader, I'm a big reader. Yeah. And because I'm a lawyer and I'm critical, I have found that I can give my I can give really good feedback on other people's work. Mm -hmm. So even though I am not like contributing this great work as far as writing yet, I think I will. Yeah. But in the meantime, I found a place where I do have a lot of feedback and information that I am good at it. Right. And that you can apply to this situation. I can apply to this situation. I I think it's interesting, this notion of talking to yourself Mm -hmm. and really calling out the negative voices 
you know, the, the asshole in your brain and putting their, your sage in the driver's seat in that self-sabotage episode. You know, we talk about that, yeah. you know, your saboteur or your sage, having your sage do the, do the talking. But the theme and, and the very specific instruction of speaking to yourself, and I would even go farther to say speaking to yourself in the third person, has... Uh, has proven to be a very effective way of changing your mind and the way your brain mm -hmm. works way back when, I don't know, it was like a year and a half ago, we did an episode, remember on called yes. like, what does your body say to you? Or how does your body speak to you about really the things that like the tricks and hacks like internally that can literally change the way your brain is working. And this is one of them mm -hmm. talking to yourself in the third person, Krina, you have done hard things before, or Krina has done hard things before. Krina can, can handle failure. Krina is, you know, able to manage difficult situations. The data would suggest that Krina is going to succeed in this situation. That very specific exercise mm -hmm. can have a profound impact on how you're feeling in the moment, and and frankly, kind of how you're experiencing, you know, a challenge or a new a new thing that you have thus far told yourself you are undeserving of. Yeah. And I think that's that was my takeaway from looking at both the scientific literature and the lay literature is that this redirecting of your negative. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And really analyzing it, being aware of it, naming it and then calling on other data to make sense of it. And every once in a while, you're going to run into something that says that you ha you don't have any data on. You might fail. Mm -hmm. Right. You you might fail. You might not ever figure it out. But to also be able to say, I failed before and I've survived. Yeah. Right? I'm going to survive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny. You were just saying that. I was thinking, like, part of this is also, you know, I think about my uh, my desire to be, perf like, to this perfectionism, mm -hmm. crippling perfectionism mm -hmm. sometimes. And I think that's it. It's like being willing to just accept the mistake or accept that not everything is going to be awesome all mm -hmm. the time. And that is not a referendum on your value as a human. Exactly. That it's just, it is what it is, mm -hmm. you know, and you've talked a fair bit about your experience as a young child in sports that you're just never like in swimming or whatever, you cannot win first place every single time. It built some resiliency or most for times you. Or most for time, me. Yeah. It built some resiliency. Most times I didn't. Yeah. It built that muscle of saying like, look, my self-worth is not directly tied to getting an A plus every time. You know, I had a very different experience. I, I, I thought, you know, I want A plus. I want the best. I want perfect. I want bet the best all the time. It's only been in my later years, you know, into adulthood that I've been able to let that go. And only just a little bit. Well, the good news is with this 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 imposterism yeah. is that you do get better at it over time. Yeah. Which as you this is one of the great things about aging, right? Mm -hmm. You can let go of some of this. And why is that? I think it's because the more data you have about how you've thrived and survived, it allow you can call on that. Yeah. And so as we're I just think we need to be really deliberate about I you know, who is what is the imposter? What is the saboteur? Right. Who is that nasty bitch in my head? Yeah. That says mean stuff to me. Yeah. Because I am not going to listen to her. 
Right. It is not helpful to listen to someone talking mean stuff in my head. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then being able to reframe that or re yeah, re, have the stories be different in your brain so that you are able to shine, so that you're able to succeed, so that you're able to fail and still feel great about yourself. I just loved this simple solution. Like, I, mean, I loved it that this is the solution. This is certainly my experience. Yeah. It's been my experience with this new thing I'm doing with the writing group. But I loved it that that was kind of affirmed for me. Like, oh, it is this simple. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not hard. Right. I'm just saying it's simple. And it's interesting, though, when you have, when you are, when you have somebody, when you are somebody who has um, imposterism or feels these feelings regularly and you're called upon to succeed, you're called upon to lead, you're called upon to work and to, to, to live an authentic and genuine and beautiful life. You know, you need to, you, you need to know down deep in your heart that you deserve all of those things and you, and and you deserve to be there. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if I could just end with one story, um, if you don't mind, you know, I stood in front of a group of people, 500 people and made a speech when I was a new leader, made a speech about how I was just sort of, sort of, you know, I was, I was there by happenstance, right? I was just sort of capable. I mean, I really, really struggled to own my power and my brilliance in front of a group of people when I was early in my career because I felt imposter syndrome so deeply. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. I felt like I was there just because I was the right person at the right time, not because I was the right person. Mm-hmm. And I made a speech that sort of signaled that to people. I didn't overtly say it, but I signaled that in my behavior. And I think we do this a lot. When you are feeling these emotions, you you signal to others that you also you actually don't belong there. Mm-hmm. And I had a woman come up to me at the end of my speech and she said, you know, that was great. That was all well and good. But you need to stop doing that. You need to start. You need. I heard you. I heard you making light of your skills. I heard you making self-deprecating comments. And you're here for a reason. And we need you to be amazing. This community put you in a leadership position and we need you to be awesome. And so not only did those emotions of self of imposterism impact me individually. It creeped out. It creeped out Mm -hmm. into my community. And that's the thing. They start talking. You don't even know they're talking. Right. Those feelings inside of us. Yeah. Do just come out. Yeah. Then then that was who I was representing. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't and I wasn't doing myself any favors. And in fact, when I was able to, you know, sort of like absorb that I'm awesome. I'm awesome. I don't, there's, I don't have to be, you know, there's no hubris here. There's no excessive pride. It's okay for me to be great at what I'm doing and also to fail publicly. And that's okay too. It shifted how I thought about myself and my work. It's really about telling the truth. It's about telling the truth. Right. Telling that, I mean, it's, it is, you know, I think I, I find my, my foibles and my weaknesses and my challenges humorous about 70% of the time. Mm. And I can usually make them humorous to other people 100% of mm-hmm. the time. Fine. But when you go beyond kind of real authentic uh, self-awareness yeah. and into creating something that doesn't exist because the voices are talking in your head about it, your worthiness. Yeah. Yeah. Gets in the way. That's that, what we're talking about. Yeah. That's yeah. the time to start changing that story. And Lou Solomon said something beautiful. Oh, at the end of her TED Talk. It was beautiful. And she said, look, we're here to live, love, fail, and ask for help. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that if your the stories in your head are, are not authentic. Yeah. 
You need to shift them and talk and crap to yourself yeah, and get back to that. Live, love, fail and ask for help. That's a great way to end and f- be a rainbow farmer. And now we're done with the trifecta. <gasps> Yay. Yay. Okay. Next, next episode. Should we foreshadow? Foreshadow. We're going to be talking about office gossip. Trashy, trashy, nasty office gossip. Why you do it and why you shouldn't do it. Probably. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to guess that's where we're going to get with it. Okay, folks. Thank Bye, you so friends. much for listening. Bye. Karina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Karina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.